We're all about turning a crappy situation into something positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. I still remember the day when no one turned up, up. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance, so I started something. I mean, I think that counts as from poop to gold. <laughs> Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm your co-host, Benton Crane, here with Daniel Harmon. Today we have a very special guest with us. We have Todd Herman. Thank you for having me, man. Thanks for men, coming on. Men, gents, lads. <laughs> it all works. <laughs> now, Todd has a really unique skill set that we find extremely fascinating. We want to talk a little bit about this. So, Todd works with professional athletes from all sorts of different sports across the board, across the spectrum. Tell us a little bit about the special type of work that you do with the athletes. Yeah, in a nutshell, I mean... I've dedicated 22 years to basically helping ambitious people do really hard things, uh, specifically helping them between the six inches of their ears. So I'm a mental game coach, peak performance coach to pro athletes, but then I was also executives and leaders and entrepreneurs as well, which is branched out. But, you know, that's all about helping people master that inner game mentally and emotionally so that they can actually allow all of their capabilities to show up unfiltered and, um, you know, unvarnished by the natural resistance that stops people so so fascinating and of course the first place my mind goes is i want to know who right? yeah who, yeah who, who are these guys who you're working with yeah and uh and the response is always the same um i keep the uh the privacy of the athletes always at the uh the highest premium because that's actually at that level you've got athletes sitting next to each other locker to locker and they start sharing with each other, you know, like I'm dealing with this nagging injury or, you know, coach doesn't like me. I don't know what's going on. And then in that moment is when you have that pass off effect of, oh, you got to talk to my guy or whatever. Um, and athletes nowadays, they've got everyone breathing down their neck. Everyone wants something from them. And so I keep, I never share the, my clientele base because I want that referability to be super high. And that's the thing that drives that business. Um, but I mean, I've worked with NFL guys, NBA guys, PGA guys, hundreds and hundreds of athletes at the Olympic level, at the pro level. And then, I mean, I started out working with 12, 13, 14 year old kids in sweaty hockey locker rooms, you know, when I drag in my flip chart and 18 kids would walk out and four kids would stay behind to listen to my little workshop talk about the mental game. So did you ever coach? Just out of yeah, well, I mean, I played college football. I mean, okay. that was my kind of, uh, that was my sport. I was a nationally ranked badminton player. And, you know, badminton football, they typically go together really well as sports, <laughs> right? And, uh, but, uh, by, but my, my kind of, and, you know, I'm not a physically gifted person by any stretch of the imagination, but my superpower was really that mental game. I had a, I had a really great ability to find the zone and flow state. And when I got done playing, I just would share those ideas with other young kids and, you know, that kind of spiraled up into an actual business, which I didn't think would ever start to be that way. It's awesome. Super accidental. Okay. So many, many years of this mental game coaching. Yeah. And it recently culminated in you putting all of those thoughts and learnings together into mm -hmm. your new book, The Alter Ego. Yeah. Already on the Wall Street Journal's bestseller list. You got it. Tell us about it. Yeah, so when I started working with uh, athletes, um, I used and built out an alter ego for myself when I played football. It was Geronimo, and it was a composite of Walter Payton and Ronnie Lott, two like famous NFL sure, guys sure. who were my heroes, and then a Native American tribe. I grew up on a big farm and ranch in uh, Western Canada. I live in New York City now, but I'm a, I'm a farm kid. And our area is rich with Native American history. In fact, like when um, uh, the Battle of Little Bighorn ended and Sitting Bull had to flee America, that tribe came up to our area and uh, and then went down and settled somewhere else. But 
I've always been fascinated with that. So that was my kind of a composite alter ego and Geronimo was the name that I took out there and it allowed me to step outside of that whole idea that I'm six feet and 156 pounds and play way bigger because I was channeling all these heroes with myself. Um, and when I got working with athletes, the higher and higher level athletes that I got to work with, they would say things like, you know, I step into this persona when I go out there or I've got this character that I step into or I have this secret identity that I take out. Um, and I would a lot of times just go, oh, that's really cool. I used to do the same thing and that's fascinating. And then one time it finally all clicked when someone said it. I was like, wait a second. All these athletes that are consistently performing at a high level, they're the ones that keep on bringing up this idea of a persona or an alter ego. So I started like going back and asking them, how did you do it? And what was your process? And seeing if it was the same as mine, I started to build up this method. Um, and it became what I'm known for, um, which is building alter egos and secret identities for athletes. And, um, and that became my secret sauce of my business. And then it sort of translated into then filtering out into like entrepreneurs and executives. Mm -hmm. And this is all about, you know, human beings, we naturally have just stuff that holds us back. It could be like traumas that happen to us when we're young or imposter syndrome or the worry and the fears of the judgments of others and what they're going to think of us. If we go out there and we start that business or we launch that funny video or whatever it might be, um, and yet we want to do it. Like at our core, we want to do it. And there's something inside of us that's driving it to make that happen. But we trap ourselves. Like in the book, I talk about this idea of the trapped self. And that's the self that anytime you're being affected by some beliefs or some, you know, any one of the kind of puppet strings of resistance that holds you back. Sometimes it's worrying about what other people are going to think of you, uh, the judgments of others, um, all those things. And we don't do it. When you lay your head on the pillow at night and you go, why didn't I raise my hand? Why didn't I speak up? Why didn't I close that sale? Those are the things that we beat ourselves up over. Mm-hmm. Like, and because we know that we didn't show up like we know that we can. Mm-hmm. And we have the capability to do it. I've got the skills. I've got the competency. I've got the knowledge, whatever. But there was the emotional resistance that happened that stops people. And people don't investigate that stuff. They don't try. You can move past it. You've got something that's built inside of you. It's native to the human psyche. We've all played with alter egos and secret identities because every kid has jumped off of the couch when they were young pretending to be Superman or Batman. Yeah, we it's, want it. it's acting at it's, the end of the day. It's acting. But we're, but we're acting to try to see what could I do if? Yes. Right? And, it's, and nowadays it's like, hmm, what would the Harmon brothers do with a video like this? That's you suspending the disbelief in the moment so that you can get out of your own thoughts, your own insecurities, and you're trying to channel that other group of people or that other idea. We have that native to us. It, the only, I mean, what's the greatest genre of movies today that's growing the fastest? Superheroes. Superhero movies, right? There's something about that massive connection that people have with it that we're viewing it through those people because we're like, oh, what would my superpower be? And what I'm here to do is to remind people that the only superpower that human beings truly have, it is not our ability to love someone and something else because other animals have that on the planet. It's not our ability to show affection. Again, they're powerful, but they're not our greatest superpower. Our greatest superpower is our creative imagination. Our ability to build story and narrative in our own minds that we can suspend disbelief about what we think we can and cannot do and step into other ideas that we can wear to allow us to do things the way that we most want to. But sometimes your past experience has stopped you, right? And the creative imagination and the way to unlock it and the way that I've unlocked it with other people is to help people build an alter ego to help make that happen. And the alter ego is actually, at the end of the day, the real you. It's not you being fake and inauthentic. It is the most real you that you could ever be. 
Because when you end your day and your head's on the pillow and you didn't say those things, that was you being inauthentic because you can do more. Wow. And so, I mean, I'm super, I'm super, I'm super (laughs) passionate about the book because I've just seen it massively affect people in a short amount of time. Like you can use this now, like today. Now I'm not saying that you don't try to like, you know, unravel those past traumas. It's not a cure for those things, but it can help people to become the person that they most want to be. So great. Dive a little bit deeper for us on what you said about your alter ego becomes the truer version of you. What does that say about our normal self? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think what people need to understand is, A, the, the current paradigms that we live under, that we think we understand ourselves through right now, are very flawed and broken, right? We need to all come to grips with the fact that we are constantly unfolding. We are constantly growing. Hopefully, people are constantly growing and developing themselves. Um, and so that means that you're unfolding and you're seeing more of your capabilities grow. Um, the other paradigm that has been broken and shattered in the psychology world over the last um, few years is that for the longest time, the psychology world thought that the people who had the greatest level of mental health were the people who had a single identity, a single self that they identified themselves with. And that's not true. In my world, working with athletes, we live in context. That field of play that I'm going out there for to compete on and be successful at I want this particular skill set and group of my or set of my personality to really get magnified out there. And then they would shut off that identity when they walked off the field and they would step into their quote unquote normal self, whatever that might be. But what I would help them do is really see that, no, 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 you actually have more contexts, which is that we actually have multiple selves. And this is the healthiest way to view yourself through in life. And it's now proven the psychology world is now it's probably the fastest growing field of study in psychology is multiple self theory which is that the people who see themselves as having multiple selves are the people who have the uh, greatest sense of, or the greatest mental health. The people who have a single identity have the highest rates of depression, um, suicide rates. They have a lot of difficulty navigating life because you're trying to take one person out to be successful in all these areas, being a parent or whatever, right? Like I work with tough personalities all day long that are doing very tough things. So I'm a challenger personality. That's a big part of my personality that comes out of me um, when I'm in business and when I'm working with people. But I've got three little kids that are waiting for me at home. The last thing that they want is the (laughs) challenger personality to come home who's confident, articulate, and decisive and all those things. Uh And so when I go home, I have a little bracelet at home that I put on. When I walk in the door, it's hanging on a hook. And it has MSC on it, Molly, Sophie, Charlie. Those are my three little kids. And Molly, my oldest, made it for me. And when I walk through the door, I put it on and I snap it. And that's me about me being very deliberate about the role that I'm about to play. Um, and it's a, it's a visual, tactile. It's a totem. Signal. Exactly. To, to your mind. Yeah. It's time to change it up. Exactly. That's awesome. And all I'm doing is I'm, is I'm acting with true intention because I know that this is the great gift that we're given is this creative imagination, my ability to create who I want to be on there. And that isn't me being fake at all because I understand that all the qualities are already inside of me. I'm just, you know, activating them to help me succeed there. And so the, the self that I want to bring out is fun, playful, and my gentle self. The challenger part of me, I flex that muscle for 10 hours that day. That's going to be there no matter what. Mm-hmm. But I want to mute it just a little bit for them. And, and my inspiration for it is Mr. Rogers. 
and you know you probably can't oh, find yeah. a, a probably a better person to help you succeed with your kids than than Mr. Rogers, in my mind anyway. Yeah, and um. And I have my, my daughter, Sophie, who's got this fantastic emotional bandwidth of amazing highs and a tantrum that can, you know, go in the Olympics. Um, and, you know, when she would go off, you know, that kind of like bigger parent would show up and be like, you stop that right now or, you know, all that. Well, that's not going to help me perform at my best right there. Because like, I look at everything as a performance, not in the context of acting, but in the context of there's a result that's happening from that. Right. And... Um, and I was like, one day I caught myself and I was like, wait a second, what are you doing? Like, you know better and I can coach myself. I'm like, who would you most want to be in this moment? And it would be Mr. Rogers. So the very next time she had her tantrum, I did exactly like he did. Despite the fact that inside I'm going off, I got down on one knee, grabbed her and pulled her in for a hug. She melted. Eight seconds later, that tantrum that was, it was gone, which would normally take 13 minutes for it to calm down. And then like any little kid, she ran off and kind of went off playing and you're sitting there going, what the heck just happened kind of thing. <laughs> but that's the power of like just using this idea. In a moment, I can shift and change that. And, um, and then after a while, getting to your point that you'd asked the question, there's a great quote from Cary Grant, the Hollywood golden era actor, known as being debonair, charismatic, um, and he grew up in a poor part of uh, England, and he really wanted to manifest the self that he wanted. Um, and he said at the end of his career, I pretended to be somebody I wanted to be until I became that person or he became me, but at some point in time we met. And I think it's a, the perfect encapsulation mm. of what happens, except I would change I pretended to I activated the person I wanted to be. Yeah. And I became that person. And if you think of it like you've got your current results that you're getting or you're getting this current what you think is your real core self. And then there's this self that you really know that you want to become and grow into or the results that you want. And alter ego is this powerful force that can bring the two together. And then at some point in time, I don't need that bracelet anymore to step into that like more gentle self to unwind myself Um, or me. I mean, I wear non-prescription glasses. And when I started out in business, I felt like I was so insecure about being 21 and baby-faced. And I went out and did my reverse Superman. I went out and bought a pair of glasses so I could step into my Super Richard, which was my alter ego's name, <laughs> and uh, be more confident, articulate, and decisive instead of being, you know, lack, had no confidence, completely indecisive, wasn't making the phone calls I needed to make to book the workshops I wanted to do to work with young athletes. But when I was stepping into Super Richard, those thoughts would never enter my mind. I was being, you know, I was being very intentional about who was the, who that was. And then one day I didn't need the glasses anymore. Now I just wear them for dress. So your book just pretty much slid to the top of my priority list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's amazing as you talk through this. It all seems so intuitively natural. It is right. We, yeah. you know, I think we all kind of intuitively know that. I don't negotiate with my wife the same way I negotiate with a vendor. Yeah. Right. But I've never had words put to it in the way you just did. Yeah. So I agree with Daniel. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to go read this book and dive in deep. Well, no, so it's like, you know, what can't be lost with this though is because, I mean, I know that the way that I can talk about it and I can say how it helps people to like really move past the trauma and the, the imposter syndrome and things. But you know, like, just like David Bowie used it, David Bowie used it to create those characters for him to explore that creative side of himself mm-hmm. and, and, and create Ziggy Stardust, which the 40th anniversary of his creation actually just came and passed. Um, and, you know, but there's an element of playfulness with this with, you know, I'm an, I'm a fairly I was always a serious kid. And, you know, that would be like my kryptonite would be that. 
And this has allowed me to be a hell of a lot more playful with life. And I think that can't be lost in it. It's that we're not being childish with this, but we're bringing an attitude of childlikeness to our lives. And, you know, my wife and I do it where we, you know, um, uh, we can go out and, you know, role play a, a date or whatever. And that's fun. Like, I mean, because mm-hmm. we can all, you know, just naturally fall into the monotony of the sameness of life. And yet that's not what we're created for. I want to learn a little bit more about your origin story. Like yeah. you mentioned, you grew up in Canada. Yeah. You're a farm boy like like myself and like um, Benton as well. And um, yeah, just give me a little bit more of what led you into this path. I mean, you gave yeah. some context of having been a football player and that type of thing, but maybe a little bit of an yeah. early life story. Yeah. So um, I, uh, I probably developed some mental toughness early on because I had two older brothers that were um, you know, two and a half and five years older than me. And they were always, always physically more dominant than myself. Um, so I developed a pretty quick wit with them and I had to roll with the, the physical punches that were sent my <laughs> way. Um, uh, but my, my, my parents, you know, they're hardworking farmers and ranchers and, um, you know, they didn't have time to run us all off to our own leagues. So they always put me into the same team as my older brother, Ryan, who was, you know, those kids were typically two and a half, three years older than me. And I never, I never even thought about the fact that I was playing with kids that were so much older. So I always had to like grind and fight it out. And I wouldn't let that whole idea that I was, and I was a tiny kid. I didn't hit a growth spurt until I was a lot older. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I kind of had that like fight against the man kind of attitude early on. Um, But, you know, the true kind of origin story for why I got into, you know, getting into mental game and mental toughness stuff was... Um, I had a very unfortunate incident that happened to me when I was young. I was at a church camp. I was 12 years old. And, uh, over the course of a couple of days, two men sexually assaulted me. And, um, yeah, it was devastating to me as a kid. Yeah. Especially in that setting. Yeah. And I came home. I never forget. I took my little duffel bag, dropped it off at the front door. We had a, a newly uh, created pool in our backyard and I changed in the garage, put on my bathing suit and I tried to drown myself right away because I didn't want my family to find out. Um, and, and so, but I didn't, and then I just tried to find anything to help me cope and to build that strategy. And so I just developed this kind of strong mental toughness ability. Um, and so, so I just got into like any mental game or, you know, toughness strategy I could to just help myself cope with it and would just grab any tool I could use. And, you know, for me using an alter ego, um, I didn't realize at the time how valuable it was going to help me, uh, or help, like be professionally, but, um, it helped me kind of just for a few moments or for a little while, like be able to like suspend the world that I was having to deal with most of the time. Um, and then just continue to like find anything meditation I found at a young age. And it was like the cornerstone of a lot of the stuff that I work with athletes on. I was teaching it. I was teaching meditation, long before yoga was even cool. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, meditation was super woo-woo, but for me, it was such a practical way to help people, you know, focus their minds. But that was how I got into it really was I, you know, ended up just having all these tools that could help me, you know, still go out there and be ambitious and perform and not let that trauma hold me back. Um, and, uh, and then I was really good at coaching other people. And so that became like my superpower was being able to be very compassionate and empathetic. So I think there's a lot of people who are hammers to nails. Everything is like they only have one method. I had many, many, you know, kind of tools in my arsenal and my belt. Plus, I know that many people and the reasons why they do things is coming from a tough place sometimes. And 82% of my clientele, um, top athletes, executives, I've referred off to like 
high quality therapists around the world that are there to serve them. Cause I'm not a therapist. I'm not, that's, I help people with mental game strategies and give them tools to help them really um, uh, align their mental, emotional and physical self when they go up there to perform really well. Um, and so I know you guys asked the question of, you know, what's the poop to gold. That would be probably my poop to gold because, you know, I can talk about it now. I've dealt with all that stuff and you know, it's, um, gives you empathy. Yeah. hundred percent. And it gave you the training essentially. Yeah, it did. It did. It's amazing. Where's the best place for our listeners to find your book? Well, uh, alteregoeffect.com is where you can find all the links to go and find it across the interwebs. You know, it's at Barnes and Noble, it's at airport bookstores, um, everywhere. And, uh, you know, my home base on the internet is toddherman.me and they can find out more about the programs that I've got and, um, all the links to my social media stuff as well. Awesome. Fantastic. Todd, we've got a special gift for you. We have a copy of our book, From Poop to Gold. Beautiful. And we have a couple of gifts from our clients as well. We have a bottle of Unicorn Gold from Squatty Potty. (laughs) And we have a couple of Taos Bakes as well, which is a client that we've yet to launch the campaign for them. This is awesome. So keep your eyes peeled in the next couple of months for that campaign. But... um. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for going deep for us on yeah. this. This is amazing. I, I seriously can't read, can't wait to read this, and can't wait to share it with um, some of my kids. Yeah, these these things because I, I, I just relate so much with this. It, it feels like you really tapped into a core truth. Yeah, that like you said is just part of the human psyche. Yeah, yeah, it's as natural as you know breathing. Really, it is. Thank you so much for coming on, and thank you everybody for listening. And be sure to like subscribe, follow, comment, all that good stuff. And we'll see you on the next one.